0: or be nowhere the savage nation podcast catch the michael savage podcast on all podcast platforms every tuesday and every friday
1: i want to understand white rage and i'm white and i want to understand it
2: (laughs) I said it a year ago, this virtue-signaling weirdo was a lunatic, General Mark Milley, who is now telling the fake news he was acting as a head of state and a psychiatrist, evaluating President Trump and tripping him up, trying to, every step of the way. If anybody needs a psychiatrist, it's this guy.
0: A really silly hat. Go ahead, General.
1: No, it's not a really silly Aunt Elmo. It's resilient is the word. Resilient.
2: A very strange display. This chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff really made a spectacle out of himself. Hey, do me a favor. Try to name another chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff over the past, say, 20 years. Right? You know what I mean? 30, I can remember Colin Powell uh, and this guy, unfortunately. Colin Powell won the Gulf War. This guy, of course, lost Afghanistan. Very, very full of himself.
1: By the way, your caps look pretty good, too. I know you love
2: Caps uh, are doing great. Yes, <laughs> so, sure uh, right. It's
1: coming in 3-0 right now. And uh, I tell you what, this, uh, this city, I think, is going to have a Stanley Cup champion.
2: Screwing around at a hockey game, troops on the battlefield at the time. I saw these generals come to New York a lot, actually, and even the CIA director giving speeches, attending banquets. I'm like, shouldn't you be in a situation room or a war room somewhere? They loved coming here, going places like that, and talking to the fake news leaking to them, making friends with them, telling all of them what a hero he is. Yeah, all these books. I wonder if Milley is regretting saying some of what he said. I think he's exaggerating um, and leaving some things out. I do think if he kept his priorities in order, we would not have the mess that we have right now in Afghanistan. We saw it just, uh, what, two and a half weeks ago. So much of the world has moved on. I can't. I can't. I want to know more. I want to know more about why this happened. I have some ideas. I know that Donald Trump tried his best, but he was undermined every step of the way by the swamp, and General Milley, I think, saw a real opportunity to ally himself with the swamp against Donald Trump. As he sat there, you can see how big the swamp is, and Donald Trump was just one man, and they seemed so committed to removing him. I think he threw in his lot with the swamp, like some other people uh, who got close to Trump and then realized, you know what? Maybe I can benefit more by criticizing Trump, like the mooch, remember that whole fiasco? All right, back to Millie. You know, <laughs> like so many other generals, he was so, I believe, dishonest about what was happening in Afghanistan. Not only in the past couple of months, how about seven years ago? In 2014, he spent significant time in Afghanistan, and of course, it was always such a rosy picture about how that Afghan military was doing against the Taliban.
1: In my professional assessment, uh, after 35 years and and multiple tours here in Afghanistan, uh, I can tell you that the Afghan security forces uh, were tactically overmatching anything that uh, the Taliban, Akhani, or anybody else could throw at them, Uh, and they uh, performed extraordinarily well. And they didn't uh, do that with a whole lot of uh, ISAF or international help. They had some. Uh, We provided that uh, over the summer. Uh, But for the most part, uh, the Afghans carried uh, the heavy load uh, throughout the summer. And I think that's enormously significant. Sounds like a Joe Biden press conference from
2: July of this year. They're always saying the same thing and always touting the progress they made, each individual general.
1: It was this past summer, as you know, uh, that a fundamental condition changed in this war, and it was the Afghan security forces who were in the lead. Uh, that's, uh, that is not uh, just a talking point. That's not spin. That's not smoke. Uh, that's for real. Uh, and they paid for being in the lead, in, uh, in their blood. They sacrificed a lot, uh, and yet they never broke uh, at any time. Why does
2: he have to go out of his way to say that's not a talking point? That's not spin. That's not smoke. I mean, he's speaking, obviously it shouldn't be any of those things, but he has to say it out loud. Even he knows, he can't, (laughs) he admits to himself at least that so much of what these guys say is spin, talking points, and smoke.
1: No security forces have gone from zero uh, when I first showed up to uh, almost 350,000 today. Big trend,
2: big trend. When I got here, it was all screwed up. By the time I left or the, by the time I leave, it'll be all great. Each time they did that, they stay about a year, and then the next guy, it was all terrible when I got here. It's all great when I leave. Next guy comes, it's terrible. The cycle repeats itself.
1: Uh, strategically, uh, the tide of the war is not with uh, the Taliban and, and their, their fellow travelers. The Taliban recognize that. They know uh, they are right on the edge of strategic defeat seven
2: years ago seven years ago
1: more the afghans stepped up to the fight Uh, there were a lot of people a year ago uh, two years ago that said that would, wasn't going to happen, and it did happen. Uh, the Afghan people and the Afghan security forces fought the fight this summer. Was it perfect? No. Was it pretty? No. But war is not a pretty thing. And uh, But they did. They fought, fought hard, and they achieved their strategic and operational objectives. You see the subtle
2: criticism of the generals who came before? Oh, a year ago, two years ago, was impossible. But now that I'm here everything is happening. Oh, don't ask too many questions. Yeah, the details, war is hell. And we know about that because we're in uniform. You don't, back off. They play that card a lot. All right, what does it all mean, General? Please, when are we gonna leave here?
3: If things are going so well, why can't the Americans just leave?
1: Yeah, let me, uh, as I said, they did very well tactically. So we are transitioning right now. It's It's our assessment that the Afghan combat units, Uh, tactical advisors with them on combat operations. You see what happens?
2: Pretty straightforward question. He's been boasting about how well they've been doing. And then, well, if we've been doing this well, why can't we leave? Um, let me gather my thoughts here. And then issues a lot of military gibberish for about five minutes. What happens when you give such a briefing, say, to Joe Biden? What's he going to say? Don't talk to me about that. I know everything about Afghanistan. I'm much more than you, General. And my son Bo died in Iraq. I think that's how it went down. We'll see. Somebody will write a book about it. Maybe somebody good. These current books are not so good. General Milley is part of a trend that I've seen throughout the military, ever since I was in the military, actually. Always painting a rosy picture to impress the boss, whether that boss was a president, uh, a commanding general, the Congress, or the American people. I think uh, that the development of the Afghan army is on a very good path right now. We've made tremendous strides incredible progress in the last 20 months
3: the solid partnership has been the thing that has been really striking for me all around the country it's fair to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan I believe the answer is yes and several facts
0: allow me to say that with confidence and we've seen some great great uh, progress in some of the operations based even at the tactical level on the intelligence structure they showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about the villages they can now enter The the Afghan police and forces, they are training and trying to improve.
2: Everything is going absolutely great, right up until we lose. What's happening? Why could they, how could they talk like that for so long? Bureaucratic speak, spinning, talking points, smoke. This is the United States military. It's supposed to be better. Look, I love the military. I served on active duty for nine years. Greatest decision I ever made was joining the Marine Corps. I loved it. I loved the people. But there are problems, and there were problems with the culture. And quite frankly, you see it in civilian life, too. Everybody wants to impress the boss. Nobody wants to deliver bad news to the boss, to the supervisors, to the board. You always try to put your best foot forward. The truth, though, is what's needed. Uh, And in business, it's dollars and cents. But in wartime... It's human lives, and it's so much more important. A cultural overhaul of some type, not the woke, not the virtue signaling, not the diversity and equity and inclusion nonsense that they're talking about, but a culture of honesty and candor. That's what's needed, and I hope the next president thinks about that. I'll be right back.
4: Bob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com podcasts for other platforms.
0: Something's coming. All, All I can, I can say, say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake
2: news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do it, do, do they? Do they? they don't do he do, the voice I can kind of get, the hands. He's doing a lot of things with the hands. It's very interesting. Uh, Afghanistan, we lost that war two and a half weeks ago. And the mainstream news, the fake media, have moved right along. I was watching last night. You know what they're obsessed with? Um, everything that's not Afghanistan, anything that makes Joe Biden look uh, slightly off. The new flavor of the month right now is uh, ooh the Gabby Patino story. Uh, the woman who went on the road trip with her boyfriend and we don't know where she is. And also that crazy lawyer in South Carolina and uh, uh, the family got shot and then he got shot, but he wanted to be shot. It is, granted, an interesting story but it's not as important as what happened in Afghanistan and questions about Joe Biden's competence. All right. Something else. The culture, they're trying to change our culture. They are trying to make white people feel ashamed for being white. It is ludicrous. It is hateful. It's somewhat comical. It's so stupid. But they're pushing it, and they're not stopping. This is the Washington Post, by the way. They came out with a new special webinar that they want everybody to watch.
1: For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal.
2: Okay. The new normal from Nicole. Gonna tell me how to be white, I guess. Or she has some observations about that. Interesting. We first brought you this a, a couple of weeks ago, but it is as relevant as ever. White people have got to start getting together, specifically around race.
3: We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class. I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganized everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused.
2: I'm sorry, but I am so glad I'm not you. (laughs) Just to approach the world, to see the world that way. I also hate it when liberals say, Unpack. The only time anybody should say unpack is when it's regarding luggage, but not unpacking an issue. There's more.
0: The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism.
2: <laughs> yeah, by the way, be careful about how you talk about race in the presence of Nicole. You say the wrong thing, you present it the wrong way. She's going to be mad. Uh, all right. It's not just the Washington Post, though. You're going to see some people that you know, some football coaches, some... Uh, PRIMETIME NEWS ANCHORS WHO ARE ALL OVER THIS uh, SHAME ON ME BECAUSE I'M WHITE
4: CRAP, EXCUSE ME. THE REALLY AMAZING THING THAT I'VE LEARNED IS BLACK PEOPLE KNOW THE TRUTH. THEY KNOW EXACTLY WHAT'S GOING ON. IT'S WHITE PEOPLE THAT DON'T KNOW.
3: WE DON'T REALIZE sometimes, ESPECIALLY AS A WHITE PERSON,
0: HOW IMPACTFUL, HOW OFFENSIVE THEY ARE. AS A WHITE PERSON, AS WHITE PEOPLE, WE NEED TO LISTEN. WHEN IT COMES TO RACE, WHITE PEOPLE NEED TO LISTEN MORE. Most
2: of the people in this little clip are multi, multi millionaires. You saw the coach at the Seahawks. He makes like 20 million a year. She's married to some Goldman Sachs guy who worked for Obama. Um, You know, when you got the power, when you got the money, it's very easy. It feels good to, oh, I'm white and that's a bad thing. It's ridiculous. Speak for yourselves if you want to. It's a free country, but it's ludicrous. All right, why do I bring up all this stuff? Because we have a story from Virginia Tech, great university, Um, it's so weird, but actually, in the current environment, it's not that weird. This is happening, and they want white folk to start talking like this. I'm not gonna do it, and if you happen to be white, I hope you don't do it. I hope anybody of any race is never apologizing for the things they can't control, what they look like. But take a look at this from a full-fledged professor. Uh, Dr. Crystal Duncan Lane put this up on the university website. I am a Caucasian cisgender female, first-generation college student from Appalachia, who is of Scottish, British, and Norwegian heritage. I am married to a cisgender male, and we are middle class. All right, by the way, I keep hearing cisgender this, cisgender that. I had to look it up myself. It's an odd term, but it basically means um, normality. If you're a man you like women, if you're a woman, you're attracted to men. That's cisgender, like traditional gender roles. Uh, But she goes on. While I did not ask for the many privileges in my life, I have benefited from them and will continue to benefit from them, whether I like it or not. What's not to like? This is injustice, she says, and more. I am and will continue to work on a daily basis to be anti-racist and confront the innate racism within myself that is the reality and history of white people. I want to be better. Every day, I, I will transform. Every day, this work terrifies me. Every day, uh, I invite my white students to join me on this journey and to my students of color. I apologize for the inexcusable horrors within our shared history. All right, I have to acknowledge here, I have a feeling we could be being pranked, all right? That's so ridiculous that I have to put that out there just in case this was some elaborate hoax pulled on me because that was that crazy, even worse than that silly TV show from the Washington Post. Here's something we need to talk about. Last year, A major story was uncovered about the Bidens, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, by the New York Post. Hunter Biden's hard drive was discovered. Its authenticity has not been uh, effectively disputed. And uh, it was a treasure trove of information that was ignored by the mainstream media. Ignored. And big tech, though, this is where it gets really bad. Big tech prevented the New York Post from disseminating this story on social media, which seemed so ludicrous, authoritarian. They get away with it, though, because it's not a government entity. Twitter, big tech, they're technically private, but they're as big as a country, quite frankly. Anyway, we have a ruling from the Federal Election Commission. They took a look at this and... Uh, it says the following I find no reason to believe that Twitter violated campaign finance law when it blocked users from sharing a politically damaging New York Post story about then candidate Joe Biden's son or a fixed editorial comments to then candidate Donald Trump's tweets. Well, you know what? We got to fix the law. We got to change the Constitution. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, these companies, they are too big to trust to Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and a bunch of tech geeks in Silicon Valley. They are more important than most governments, and uh, we have to take it from them, I think. They can shape elections, and quite frankly, they did. They did. Um, So just prior to the election, you were led to believe that the Trump kids were the corrupt ones the Trump kids. Now, I happen to know them. I also know, and anybody can look this up, that for their entire lives, including Donald Trump, none of them had ever worked in government, ever, not even come close. Now, if you look at the Bidens, That's a totally different story all the way back to 1972. And Joe's brother, Frank and Jim, went into the Biden business. There are books about this. Very well done. Very well documented. They profited from being related to Joe Biden. Hey, you never hear about his sister, by the way. His sister ran all of Joe's campaigns for like all the way up until 2008. She made a lot of money doing that, by the way. A lot of money. But this is somehow beyond question, beyond scrutiny. Why? Why is that? Why can't we talk about Hunter Biden and what he did? You know, Hunter Biden, according to Joe, is uh, the closest person to him, the last person he talks before he goes to bed. Now, Hunter has a lot of baggage on the business side. But what does Joe do? It's kind of effective, actually. Kind of. uh, He's shrewd sometimes, Joe. He hides behind this addiction and says, it's all about that. My son is a hero. My son. And he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home,
3: had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's he's fixed it. He's worked
0: on it. And I'm proud of him.
2: It's not about Hunter's drug problem. We all want Hunter to get sober and stay sober. No, it's not about that. It is about the money he received for being your son, the son of the vice president and now the president. It's also about the money he apparently has given you, the president of the United States, 10 percent for the big guy. Joe Biden has never sat down and answered those questions. The media have protected him every step of the way. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spin, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts
0: that you need to know. Who's in your back? Take it.
2: More and more, I'm hearing that January 6th had to be some sort of a setup, a trap to make Trump supporters, the MAGA movement, look bad. I think there's a lot to that. I really do. Has anybody been able to explain this? This cop enthusiastically waving people in to pass the barricades? Look at that. Come right on in. This way. This way. By the way, look at how small those gates are. Those are called French gates. And they're measly. They're not going to keep out crowds even if you wanted to. Also... You know, you've seen uh, the crowds pushing the doors at the Capitol. But how about this? The doors that were wide open and the cops standing on either side of the hallway not doing anything. Why were they not doing anything? Did they have orders to not do anything? I find that very, very strange. Um, Also, while Ashley Babbitt was being shot for getting too close to the Congress, even though she was unarmed... On the Senate side, this cop seemed to be directing them into the Senate, right this way. And they went in there. I'll never forget the guy who was desperately pleading for help to those cops, asking them to call for backup. You remember this?
0: Why are you letting this happen? Why haven't you called for backup? Where is your backup? This is our damn Capitol building, and y'all are letting it get destroyed on your way
2: And they just stood there. We should have a commission to look into these issues. They want to look into, they want to blame it on Trump. That's all they want to do. And they want to ignore the evidence that shows that Trump had nothing to do with this. That he urged for a peaceful and patriotic demonstration. I think we need an apology, actually, from the FBI. They had some information they're not there yet they're busy apologizing for another catastrophic mistake the kinds of fundamental errors that were made in this case in 2015 and 16 should never have happened period i'd like to make a promise to the women who appeared here today and to all survivors of abuse i am not interested in simply addressing this wrong and moving on it's my commitment to you, that I and my entire senior leadership team are going to make damn sure everybody at the FBI remembers what happened here in heartbreaking detail. FBI Director Ray apologizing for the FBI's not pursuing aggressively enough, sitting on information regarding uh, Dr. Nasser, uh, the gymnastics uh, physician, and all those women and girls suffered. So much. There are more apologies, though, that the FBI should be issuing. Like, how in the world did a guy like Peter Strzok become the head investigator for such a sensitive matter uh, as those specious Russian allegations, huh? Strzok. Remember Strzok and his uh, girlfriend Lisa Page and those text messages that they were sending to each other? Strock to his girlfriend, just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. Lisa, yep, out to lunch with whatever. We both hate everyone and everything. Ooh, hatred. Nice thing to build a adulterous relationship bond, right? Okay. Uh, the FBI, their failings, many and varied, all the way back to John F. Kennedy, the Kennedy assassination. Did you know that an FBI agent was supposed to see Lee Harvey Oswald in the days leading up to the assassination? Agent Hosty, he just never got around to visiting Oswald. He had his name, he had his address, he knew he lived in Russia, all these weird things, but he just never got around to it. And now this. Black lives matter. Of course, black lives matter. All lives matter. Not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. And they can make money. They can increase their power. Otherwise, they don't care. When the black life, uh, 14-year-old Nivea Danner was taken because she was shot. They don't care. She was killed Tuesday afternoon in Gastonia, North Carolina. Now, she was outside of a local bail bonds office with her twin brother and two other people, attempting to bail a friend out of jail. Um, Nivia's mother says the suspect is no stranger to the family. Her daughter had just been suspended from school over her involvement in a fight a few days earlier.
3: According to him, it was just... was supposed to be like an in and out. There There was nothing that was supposed to have been wrong with being at a bell's you know, getting someone bailed out. A gun? Who plays with that? So I'm gonna do everything I can, everything I can to keep Nev's memory alive.
2: A uh, 19-year-old man, uh, Santonio Eskridge, has been arrested, charged with second-degree murder. He's already a convicted felon. The family says Nivea was an active member of her local church. She sang in the choir. And again, she was just 14 years old. We'll be right back. It's our
0: America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app.
2: Newsmax is real news for real people. I still can't believe it. I still can't believe it. America lost a war, essentially, in Afghanistan just a couple of weeks ago. And everybody seems just fine with it. It seems quite apparent at this point that General Milley had a huge role in our defeat especially with all that virtue signaling makes sense that he had no time to adequately plan uh, to get out of Afghanistan in an organized way. He was also, of course, spending so much time with reporters, especially those writing books and always telling them what a great job he did and how much he protected the country against that crazy president. Well, I don't buy that story uh, about President Trump. I don't buy General Milley's version of much of anything. I'd like to bring in General William Boykin, retired lieutenant general of the United States Army. Uh, He was associated with Delta Force, the U.S. Army's Delta Force, and happens to be an ally of President Trump, also the executive vice president of the Family Research Council. Uh, General, welcome to Newsmax. How are you?
3: Thank you, Greg.
2: Thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, First of all, look, there are a lot of reasons, I think, that General Milley could have been fired a long time ago, even before the fall of Afghanistan. But I want your take on the recent revelations in this Bob Woodward book that he was talking to China, warning them about if uh, you get attacked, I'll give you a heads up. And um, uh, working with the Joint Chiefs of Staff saying, you know, go through me before any orders uh, of an attack. Do you buy Woodward's version of uh, what happened?
3: Yeah, I don't know. And and the reason I say that is because Woodward does not have a particularly good track record in terms of uh, being uh, clear in terms of his facts. Now, that said, I'll, with that caveat, I'll say this. If Millie actually did what he is accused of doing and his office has confirmed that he did make the calls, We don't know all the contents of it. But if he did, this is unprecedented, and every American should be very, very concerned about this, regardless of political persuasion, because what you have is a general trying to usurp the authority of the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States, and assume elements of that authority for himself. And that, sir, is treason Uh, by any name that is treason.
2: General, uh, did you ever, you spent 36 years on active duty, did you ever cross paths, you've been out since 07, I believe, did you ever cross paths, though, with uh, Mark Milley?
3: I did, but I didn't get to know him very well, but yes, I, I crossed paths with him. Now, he's a few years behind me, but uh, we were in the same place a couple of times.
2: What was his reputation before, say, the rank of general? Uh, I think a lot of this has gone to his head. I I don't see how he could have achieved this position in the Army if he were like this throughout his career. Sometimes that happens. You pin on a couple of stars and you get delusions. Uh, What was the general sense? What was the scuttlebutt about him?
3: I think he had a uh, decent reputation. I think that uh, people considered him to be uh, a fairly good commander when he was in command of troops. But that said, keep in mind that uh, in the Barack Obama era, eight years of Barack Obama, we had a lot of generals that were promoted to flag rank. They got their first through fourth stars under Barack Obama, and they got that primarily because they were willing to support the agenda that uh, Barack Obama had laid out for not only the nation, but the military specifically and uh and now i think you see in one of those uh products of of the obama administration uh that is now as you say i think he has become enamored by his own reputation and uh, authority
2: general you had a reputation for candor when you were on active duty and sometimes uh, uh not everybody in government was ready uh, for candor. But I appreciated your candor at the time. I want to play for you uh, some remarks from General Milley while he was in Afghanistan in, in 2014, seven years ago. He's talking about the Taliban on the run. Um, let, me, let me just
1: show you this and then we'll uh, discuss. It was this past summer, as you know, uh, that a fundamental condition changed in this war and it was the Afghan security forces who were in the lead. Uh, that's, uh, that is not uh, just a talking point. That's not spin. That's not smoke. Uh, that's for real. Uh, and they paid for being in the lead in uh, in their blood. They sacrificed a lot. Uh, and yet they never broke uh, at any time. That to me seems, uh, again, seven
2: years ago. Uh, that sounds like spin. That sounds like smoke. That sounds like talking points. And I heard it a lot from colonels on up. Uh, Our partners in Afghanistan, our partners in Iraq are doing such a great job. They were doing such a great job right up until they totally and completely lost.
3: Yeah, just keep this in mind, though. Uh, I don't think Milley is totally wrong in terms of what he was saying. I I think that uh, it was inflated. I don't think that they were where he said they were. But they also had not only American advisors, but they had American air, air power. As long as they had that air power. And uh, they had those advisors on the ground that knew how to call and adjust that air power. Uh, they, they did a whole lot better than once we left them high and dry. We pulled out precipitously and left them all alone. And uh, at that point, when, the, uh, when their own president uh, took off and, and left the country with money, what did they have to fight for? You know, they didn't—first of all, they don't have a constitutional republic. So what do they fight for? They're a tribal society. They fight for their tribe and uh, i think that's what we see but i don't think milley was that far off the mark then no they were not as good as he was saying they were but how how can you expect a general to come on on the media and say we're losing we're failing we the professional military are failing at what we're here to do that that's not going to happen but uh he he exaggerated
2: yeah and you know what you know just uh, this is a larger conversation that i hope the military has i understand you have to project a certain image you can't say you know all is lost but I do think more candor, more honesty, because in the yep. military, as in civilian life, sometimes people tell the boss what they want to hear. But I want to be clear here, Greg.
3: That's what happened. That's what happened in Vietnam. But keep in mind, that's what happened in Vietnam. The public was told consistently that we were we were winning the war, and that the uh, the, the South Vietnamese were taking on the responsibilities for the war. We should have learned a lesson from that.
0: Right.
2: It, uh, it to me, it seems like it's happened very much all over again. But Hey, besides this, you were deeply concerned, as I was, about all of this wokeness, all of these other, I don't know, this virtue signaling, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You joined many other generals in signing a letter that was deeply critical of Mark Milley. To be clear, you think Mark, like in interviews, congressional testimony, and public statements, it has become clear that the top leaders in our military are placing mandatory emphasis (sighs) On PC wokeness, related training, which is extremely divisive and harmful to unit cohesion, readiness, and warfighting capability. You know, I have some civilian friends who say, well, listen, the military has to grow up. Everybody's doing this stuff. Corporate America. The military had already learned these lessons. And also, there's only so many hours in the day. You can't have a seminar about transgender rights and be Uh, ready for war.
3: You nailed it. Every one of these social experiments comes with a training package, and that training package eats up time that our men and women ought to be out there practicing and preparing for war. I, you know, The only uh, responsibility of the military is to win the nation's wars. That's what Douglas MacArthur said in 1963 at West Point, to win the nation's wars. And when you eat up training time uh, and, and doing these social experiments and going through these classroom nonsensical things— To make people woke, you are wasting their time, and you're jeopardizing every one of those men and women that's going to go into combat. And look, look what we got in Afghanistan. With a secretary of defense and a chairman of the Joint Chiefs that were more interested in developing a woke military that understood what white rage was. Sir, I spent 36 and a half years in the U.S. Army. I never saw or heard of such a thing as white rage. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I it's, it's incredible. And we had the chairman there <laughs> talking about it, wanted to know more about it. Why don't you retire, General Milley, and you can go off to MSNBC or some college and study it all you want. General Boykin, real pleasure having you on tonight, sir. Thank you. Good to be with you, Greg. Thanks. All right. To be continued. And we'll be right back. All right, so remember the Durham probe? They're still at work, and this guy has been indicted. I've never seen him either, but his name is Michael Sussman, uh, was a lawyer whose firm represented Hillary Clinton's campaign, and Mr. Sussman here is now accused of lying to the FBI. Michael Sussman. I was hoping for more, but uh, hey, this probe I hear is not over. Let's bring in Congressman Devin Nunes, Republican of California, ranking member on the House Intelligence Committee. Congressman, welcome back. What do you think of this uh,
4: all this time? And Michael Sussman, it's a it's a pretty serious indictment. I actually have it right here in my hand, and I've been reading through it. And uh, you got to remember, this is one of the top lawyers for the Clinton campaign. Clearly, he was taking direction. From the Clinton campaign they hid under these lawyers this is what they like to do with privilege that's why they were having lawyers go and do the dirty work and look I think what we got to look out for now is Clintons have a long history of their lawyers and agents disappearing so uh I think you you and your viewers know that history
2: (laughs) so yes indeed now let's uh for those who haven't been following this as closely Sussman as a lawyer for the campaign was allegedly doing what? He was involved potentially in digging up dirt on, uh, on Donald Trump, or uh, what did he do? What was he lying about? Well, you about? know,
4: we, he came before our committee. He was one of the targets of our investigation, and actually in the indictment they used some of our investigation uh, in the in the actual indictment. So what he did is he actually, we weren't sure because he never admitted it to us, but he looks like he was actually helping to develop the fake narrative that was launched right before the election. This was the Alpha Bank issue, if you may remember, that somewhere in Trump Tower they were communicating with Russians, and this was the the bombshell that they were trying to get produced by the fake news media just about 10 days out uh, from the campaign. So they developed this narrative. They produced the narrative. It was totally phony. They knew they were phony, and it looks like Durham got to the bottom of it. Uh, because he has quite a, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of evidence uh, in this indictment. There's a lot of evidence in here. I think it's, uh, it's a slam dunk indictment from my perspective. We
2: have a portion of it, uh, the indictment you're holding. Let's put it up on the screen. Um, he was making statements to the FBI. The statement was intentionally false and misleading because in assembling and conveying these allegations, Sussman acted on behalf of specific clients, namely a U.S. technology industry executive at a U.S. internet company. And the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign It said earlier right. that he portrayed himself. The the FBI understood that he was just a good citizen passing along information. <laughs> That's how he presented himself. All right. But I will tell you, um, for those in the business, you've heard of this guy. You've met him before you. What about Strock? What about McCabe? You know, what about uh, these much bigger figures? Um, heck, uh uh, what's his name john brennan from the cia those are the big fish are they still in jeopardy
4: well we we don't know that you know all we know were were the public statements that were made by the department of justice last year and we were told at the time that they were actually looking at the fbi specifically now this would be something new this is a new development i think a lot of people at that time were kind of like well Yeah, we know the FBI was corrupt, and we know these guys did some wrongdoing, but who's really behind this? And I think that's what this indictment shows. It shows that the Clinton indictment, at least in one portion of it, uh, we now have the evidence that, uh, you know, we we had the circumstantial evidence. We now have emails and communications and clearly Durham's done interviews in this. So uh, I would hope that uh, this is only the first of several other indictments. I think we still want to see the government officials held accountable. Uh, but look, this is this is right at the Clinton campaign, and at the end of the day, Greg, remember, it's the Clinton campaign who concocted this nonsense. In fact, many of those same people that were involved in you know what you could call it the RussiaGate, Russia hoax, or the P-tape hoax, they were they are now in the Biden White House. So uh, you know, look, I think Durham is circling the wagons here. We'll see what happens uh, with this lawyer. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised. If he doesn't plea, uh, make a plea agreement, maybe he's going to talk. Maybe he won't. But I think this is a step in the right direction is the bottom line.
2: Let's make some suppositions here. Uh, He's lying. Uh, Let's accept for a moment that he's probably lying. If he had told the (laughs) truth to the FBI, um, would he have been admitting to a crime or was he just trying to minimize political damage?
4: Well, look, it gets to the larger question, uh, and that is. Can you bring – look, there was a conspiracy here. You've heard me talk about this for many, many years. The Clinton campaign conspired with really bad agents and bad actors within the FBI and other other locations. So this guy you got lying to the FBI. We know that people conspired to do this. Conspiracy is a major charge, and it can be very, very broad. Uh, So, you know, that's what I would like to see is, you know – Who was this? The only guy that did it. Is he is he going to be the fall guy for the Clinton campaign? We've seen that in history. Remember, we've seen people in history be the fall guy for the for the Clintons. Congressman, Uh, but I have to
2: wrap up real quick. Are you frustrated, though, or even angry that Durham didn't move quicker or is this how long this stuff takes?
4: No, I'm actually not. I think you've asked me this question before. I'm one of the only few people that actually have faith in this investigation. Uh, Maybe I'm I'm a half glass full guy, but I think this is a good development. I just want to make sure we we see a handful of other indictments.
2: All right. Congressman Devin Nunez, I appreciate it so much. Republican of California, ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee and a true patriot. Sir, we thank you. Thank you, Greg. Good night, everybody. I leave you with a moment of what the Democrats call leadership. God
3: bless you all. May God protect our troops. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, what kind of impact does it have when celebrities like Nicki Minaj share dubious claims?